Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, the strong and powerful Bo Henderson. Bo, are you ready to do this? Let's do this, George. Excellent. Let's do it. Bo has been a financial advisor and money coach since 2003, founding Rich Life Advisors in 2007. He is a best-selling author of several books and is a contributor to the Huffington Post, Wall Street Journal, Reuters, CNBC, Market Watch, and he is the host of the Retirement Resource Show. I'm really excited to have you on. Bo, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Wow, that, that's that's several questions there. Um, so <laughs> a little bit about my personal life. I guess if I were to share anything, even though I spent a career working in finance and helping people with their money, um, one of the things that's always been a passion to me is behavior. And before I, I got on the track of, of financial planning, I was actually going to go to graduate school to be a psychologist. And that's kind of just come full circle back into what we do and the way we do things now. Um, but I'm here in North Atlanta, North Metro Atlanta, Georgia, went to school at the University of Georgia and just really enjoy, like you said, I, I enjoy the podcast, the radio, and I enjoy um, education and creating good content that helps people navigate this often complex thing we call life. Nice. Excellent. So I'm curious um, how you came up with the idea of Rich Life, the name of your firm. So Rich Life, yeah, that's a fascinating. Uh, back around 2008, I'd been in the financial services business for about eight years at that point, And I realized that everything I had believed, everything I was taught to an extent was a lie. And at that point, uh, in my much younger days, I, I believed that the things you accumulated um, equaled your worth, was your value, and the more stuff you had, the happier you would be. And it was just out of alignment with the clients I was working with. When I'd sit down and listen to them and talk to them, they'd say things like they wouldn't trade all their money in the world for another day with somebody they cared about. Or um, that memory they had of going to the beach with the grandkids. And I started thinking, well, maybe maybe there, we are sold a lie to an extent. And maybe the, the point of money is to utilize it as a tool to create a, a life that's actually exciting and meaningful to us. Yeah, I think that looking at money as a tool versus the end all be all the acquisition of it being my you know that's all I want to do right. is something that if more people did would probably be happier so I certainly appreciate that and it's an empty goal oftentimes if I make x amount I'll be happy you get there and you realize wow that actually doesn't make me happy believe it or not right all right <laughs> so I would like to get your opinion on, since we're sort of talking about beliefs about money, I'd like to go deeper into that. I'd like to hear your take on on people's money habits and behaviors, patterns, things of that nature. Sure. Well, I think most of, again, what, most of what we're taught or most of the information out there is very tactical in nature. And and here's the, the eight steps you need to do to be successful with money or the the here's the baby steps, the roadmap, whatever terminology it has. And again, that's tactical. And we, it is important. We do need a plan uh, and, and a way to make sure that we're doing the math of money, so to speak. But what I found 
with working with over 3000 clients now that is we can have the perfect plan in place, the perfect strategy. But if we don't have our beliefs and the, and our, the things that the patterns we have, if we're not aware of those, they could be sabotaging us throughout the rest of our lives. And for many people, unfortunately, that's exactly what happens. They're sabotaging themselves from these patterns and beliefs and behaviors. They don't even realize they have. There's a, there's great quote that I came apart came across recently from Thoreau. It said that there are a thousand hacking at the branches of evil to one who's hacking at the roots. And that's to a degree, I think, what you're talking about. So much of financial advice is tactical in nature, but it's not really getting down to the root cause of issues that people might have with money. So talking about what their background is, how they grew up with money, if it was discussed, if they had enough of it, sort of th- things of that nature. So Right. And and to realize that, go back and realize that the people important in our lives when we were very young shaped our perception and the way we view money. So think about how was your mom, how was your dad, maybe some grandparents, how did they interact and, and what were the things they said about money? How did they act around money? And you can be certain that to an extent, the combination of those things plus your personal experience shape the lens that you view money through. And unfortunately for many people, it's a negative lens and it's one that can be self-sabotaging. But the thing that's fascinating to me, George, is that if we become aware of those things, we do some exercises, get clear on what those things are, then we can be aware when they show up and we can address them appropriately and actually start using money like that tool we talked about to service. Right. Yeah, I like to call that financial determinism, and it's not—it's it's regular determinism. And I think that we're crazy to think that we're not a product of our environments. Um, so money is is no different. People do talk about different biases that we have. So why not look and examine a little bit harder why it is that I act the way that I do? And to your point, once you do that, then you're able to recognize different traps that you would potentially fall into. So. Well, and one of the one of the favorite metaphors that, that comes up with this is the physical health to financial health. I say if all we needed was the perfect plan on a spreadsheet and the and the right information to be financially healthy, it'd be like with physical health. If that was all we needed, we'd all be walking around full of energy with six packs, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes yeah. there's other a little deeper we need to uncover. And and money money for some reason money has just an extreme power and an emotional charge and and if we don't get a hold of it it can it can control us got it so do you are there practical ways do you think that 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 people can go about that other than simply take some time and, and sit down and and think about how you grew up with money and why your behaviors today might be because of the way you grew up and how do i you know, get past uh, these traps yeah, I think um, that's one thing why I got involved a few years back in money coaching, um, because I saw that that we needed to address that side of it before we were even clear and free to address the tactical. But one, you could work with somebody like a money coach or get exercises um, that a money coach would walk you through. And uh, it would be something like, OK, let's go back to our past money history. What were the things we remember at certain ages? And it's amazing the things that will stand out. You'll remember, hey, at 12 years old, I've got this vivid memory of my dad saying this and it affecting my family this way. So go back through and see what were those highlights? What were the things that had emotional charge around money? And another thing we can look at, George, is archetypes. If you're familiar with Carl Jung and his work in archetypes, um, in the money coaching field, we've come up with uh, 
money archetypes. And basically it's, it's um, tendencies that we use or tendencies that show up when we interact with money. And some of those tendencies and archetypes actually serve us and some of us not so much. They actually take us away from our goals and objectives. So it's another thing of actually seeing um, what what tendencies you have for what archetypes to show up and being aware of that and putting the the right the right people in the right seats on the bus so to so to speak in your life when you run into these situations. Uh, that's one of the biggest ways I see people start being able to make change when it comes to money because. 95% plus of what we do is unconscious or subconscious. And when we can be aware and make decisions better and know what's working for us and what's working against us, that's when we can start seeing some breakthroughs. Yeah, I appreciate that. And as much as, as I consider myself to be an individual, I know that probably one of those archetypes I would fit neatly into. So, <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Oh, well, and, and here's the thing with archetypes. And we can briefly talk about a couple if you'd like, but, but we all have, they're all present in all of us. Um, but but certain ones tend to show up more um, in each individual's life uh, than others, and there's certain ones that really will will help us drive the ship in the right direction, so to speak, if we we are aware and put them in the right place. Yeah, I would love to hear if there's how many are there roughly speaking? Are there really common ones? Sure, the ones the ones we want to acknowledge and develop and put into work with us are the warrior. The warrior is what we would call the master the material world, so to speak, and that typically a warrior gets things done. They're, they're driven, they get things done. Um, they're, they're bottom line focused. Now, the, the only problem a warrior can have is they can get too focused and, and too focused only on results. And sometimes we need to balance that with what we call a magician. And a magician kind of has the balance of the internal. They're kind of they have the peace, the patience, and the things to kind of balance that. Um, we have a creator artist, which is actually the the part of us that holds the vision and the mission for our lives and what we're about. And then you have those are the three that we really want to get in the right mix and right combination to really serve you. Um, when it comes to to our relationship with money, then there's some that that show up like there's a fool that takes risk, likes to gamble. Mm. At some points, entrepreneurs actually need a little fool to take the risk necessary, necessary to be successful, but too much fool can sabotage us. Right. That's right. when you have a lot of money come in and then you blow it because you think it's always going to be that way. Uh, another archetype I can, off the top of my head, is an, an innocent. An innocent is somebody that just kind of puts their head in the sand and says, well, I just didn't know any better and doesn't ever really take responsibility for their money situation. Uh, another is a martyr, a martyr that, you know, they're very attached to their story and their meaning being giving things to other people, but it's usually to their own detriment and they're very attached to that story. So a combination of those things that show up. And I think an important thing is these are just tendencies that show up. These aren't these aren't about you as a person. These are just things to be aware of. And if, if the martyr shows up in this situation, is it serving me or should I call on the warrior that I know that I have it when, when I choose to and when I'm aware of what I'm doing? Got it. Well, those are probably extremely powerful because people obviously connect with, uh, with examples or characters and nice. I like it. Tell me a little bit about the rich life stewardship principle that I saw on your website. Oh, sure. So the stewardship principle, when I heard about stewardship growing up, it was usually in the context of money, being a good steward of your money. And when that rich life idea, rich life philosophy started to to jail for me uh, several years back, what I realized is that I believe we're called to be stewards or we should be stewards 
of all assets and not just our money and our things, but especially things like a good steward of our time. Where do we choose to spend our time? And if we're spending it on things that are important to us, we're going to create the opportunity for more of those things in our life. What about um, where do we spend? Uh, are we good stewards of our of those experiences I talked about? Are we creating those memorable experiences with the people we, we care about, which leads to be are we good stewards of the relationships we've been best we've been blessed with? Are we taking the right time and balance with our family or are we that unfortunate example of the person that climbs the corporate ladder just to lose his family? Because it happens and I've seen it over and over again. So the stewardship principle is really based on the, this idea of what you focus on expands. And are we being good stewards of the things we've been given so that we are prepared to be given more? I love it. And those are that's such valuable advice. I think that these days with so many demands and so many stimuli that we're hit with consistently, if we are not being good stewards, being mindful of how we're spending our time or where we're focusing our attention, we will waste so much of both of those things. And life will course correct us. And sometimes it's not pleasant. It'll slap us in the face if we're out of whack with, with some of those items. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm always reticent to use the term balance because that's right. going to be different for everybody. And I've taken to calling it rhythm. You need to have a good rhythm to your life. And sometimes you'll maybe working more. Sometimes it may be more family, whatever it might be, but you need to be cognizant of these things. So, no, I think, and, and uh, even to, to build on the rhythm, I think that just the awareness that there are seasons of life, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be seasons where we're working to get to a certain place. And there's seasons when we're, we're able to, to relax and enjoy more. We're raising a family. Um, so I, I love that idea of rhythm, having a good rhythm to it. Yeah, we all do go through seasons of life. There's, there's no two ways about that. So <laughs> I like it. Well, this has all been really, really good stuff. Um, and I hate to, I hate to talk about anything tactical because we talked about how it's more important to be addressing this stuff, but I feel like we've done that. Um, one thing that I did see either on one of your blog posts or on your website were uh, three critical elements in redesigning your retirement portfolio. So wanted to touch on that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and this is this is a retirement portfolio, or this is um, really any age. Sometimes when we talk about retirement, people are thinking it's that demographic of baby boomers, but this this applies to to any age. And and the first thing is is clarity. If if I could get somebody to really just go through and do the exercise of knowing what their basic financial statements are, their income statement, and their balance sheet. What I found, George, is that they would be in the top 5% of people when it comes to financial literacy. We literally surveyed 100 people that came through the office, and one out of 20 actually knew their numbers. Hmm. So so step one is, is know your numbers. Uh, step two would be um, understand your risk. A lot of times the spreadsheet that shows us our financial plans isn't isn't taking into account the risk or pitfalls we might fall into about, you know, is my is my spouse and my kids in good shape if something happens to me next week? Because believe it or not, and the longer I'm around, the longer I do this, things happen. Life throws us curveballs. So are we addressing the risk that could kind of um, take us out of the game, so to speak? And then really the last one for a successful retirement would be the last thing we can do is just having a strategy, having a plan. And, and when I, I refer to a strategy as an extension of a financial plan, which is the money part, which is important. And I don't want all the talk we did about the, the inside game. I don't want it to take away from the importance of having the math right, having the formulas right, mm-hmm. having the financial plan right. 
But when I talk about having a strategy, what I mean is have an integrated strategy that's the, the financial plan that's in the context of a life strategy that you're excited about, that makes you feel fulfilled, that gives you meaning, and ultimately, hopefully, peace of mind. And I imagine that this all plays into your idea of living your unique definition of rich life in retirement. That's exactly right. And you know, the, the awesome thing about the rich life is that I could tell you what mine is. We could, we could, I could ask you what yours is and they're going to be different. I can't tell you what yours is. So the, the nice thing about a rich life is it is your unique definition. Now we can, we can work through some things to figure out what that is. It's usually the thing that when you start talking about it, you start talking a little faster, you get a little bit excited, but when we can get somebody clear on those things, and then build a financial plan that moves towards those. That's where I've seen people actually stick to plans and excited about their, their plan in their life. I love it. And it is unique to everybody. So Bo Savage nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? Well, I want, I want to give, um, really the big one would be know your numbers. And if there's a template or if you need one for, for the, for the website, a template to do those basic financial spreadsheets. I believe everybody should once a month know where they stand when it comes to their income statement, their balance sheet. And it's a way we keep score. It's a way we know if we're moving in the right direction or moving away from where we want to be and need to adjust. So know your numbers is one difference making tip. And then another is spend a little time thinking about that inside game of money. And one thing we can do if you're, okay with it, George, is I have a money type quiz to where we can explore what are those archetypes or money types that are showing up in your life and maybe dig into why they may be helping you or hurting you. And that's at bohenderson.com. And you'll see money type quiz right there on the homepage. Awesome. Well, that is great stuff. That definitely warrants a come on. Come on. So thank you for that. So I was going to ask, obviously, obviously, thank you so much for coming on and want to direct everybody to where they can find you. So it was bohenderson.com. That's right. B-E-A-U-H-E-N-D-E-R-S-O-N.com. Excellent. And there you will find a ton of great information. You'll be able to find some of your blog posts, information about the podcast, and all that good stuff. And I'll tell you what, let's do this, George. If somebody um, reaches out to you and says Rich Life or gives you the code Rich Life, I'll send a copy of the Rich Life 10 Investments for True Wealth out. Excellent. I will include that in the notes of the show. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Bo your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to the website and check everything out. Thank you again, Bo. Oh, appreciate it. Um, Thanks so much, George. I had a blast (laughs) on the show today. (laughs) And until next time, man, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!